0: Ready for some great news during the holidays? Just last week, interest rates fell lower than they've been in months. This could be your chance to finally pay off all of your high interest rate credit cards and lower your monthly payments by $500, $600, $700, even $800 a month. And how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com.
1: Spoken on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad-Free Shows and Podcasting Networks. I'm John Alba, coming to you a little under the weather today, so hopefully you can deal with that. Cracking that ASMR over there, he is the broken one, woken one, spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. What you got there, man?
2: I got an iDrink. We're uh, half-assed invested in the company. It's uh, Rebecca's brother's company. This is doing well overseas, but he brought it here to America, so it's iDrink. drink. If you guys look for it, it's good. No caffeine, but an energy drink. It's for mental focus.
1: Mm. Well, we do like mental focus and clarity here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, uh, especially because, you know, as everyone says, even as your wife put on her TikTok this past week, even you could use the mental focus and clarity
2: coming yeah. off all those injuries, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my uh, my mind is deteriorating as well. That's obviously. right. My mind and my body. <laughs>
1: Rapidly deteriorating, of course. Rapidly
2: deteriorating. How was Christmas, man? uh christmas was great it was uh the magic is still intact you know so that was a a a big success and it was a it was a hell of a job like putting stuff together like i feel like i was around more specifically the days before christmas to help put stuff together and you know really do the the christmas act as far as that goes Uh, so yeah it was great and just having the kids come out and have that amazing reaction and believing and uh all into the christmas spirit is, is great to see so we're gonna try and retain that as long as we possibly can
1: yeah i hear the ho-ho gimmick is over in house hardy
2: yeah 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 yeah. so so evie uh she didn't quite catch on to santa from the jump she just calls him ho-ho because she knows he goes ho ho ho. so ho ho is what she calls him it is the cutest little thing ever
1: which is unfortunate because as we know there's no ho-hos allowed oh uh, well,
2: yeah yeah definitely definitely a different ho-ho you know it's uh <laughs> you know as there's a, a couple you know different versions of the word too you know you can say like you know in in addition or uh you know more than necessary of whatever course. you know like there's a couple different ho-hos here
1: perhaps you should queue up the old uh peacock there and show evie what the ho-ho train used to look like on monday night raw <laughs>
2: There you have the ho ho train. That's very, very funny. (laughs) I did
1: that. I'm I'm a big godfather guy. I know you, I know you're a big godfather guy Mm -hmm. too. He's always over with me. I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. Well, listen, man, this is gonna be a fun one. Last week we talked about your year-end awards. But I got a lot of comments about it, man. A lot of people were very appreciative of your unbiased takes and your ability to praise other performers in other companies and talk about how well they've been doing. I don't know the way Mm -hmm. I look at it, man. It's just like you guys were all colleagues at the end of the
2: day, right? Sure. I mean, uh, we're, we all are in the same industry. We're all in the same profession at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know, man, that tribalism stuff, that hating on, one promotion and you know, just being biased towards one. I'm just I've never been into that really. And I think the more the merrier. I think the the more successful wrestling promotions that are out there, the more successful wrestling companies, it's better for everyone at the end of the day. You know, and it, it just gives guys another life whenever their their run ends at one, then they can go to the other place. So uh, I, I want everybody to be successful.
1: No doubt about it. Lots of good names are going to be active at this weekend's World's End pay-per-view for AEW. Mm-hmm. Got any picks you'd like to throw our way? Any thoughts on the card? We got Adam Copeland and Christian Cage in the No DQ match. We've got Max defending the championship against Samoa Joe, and we learned on Dynamite this week that Joe and the devil were in cahoots the entire yeah. time. Any thoughts on any of that?
2: Yeah, I th- that's how I read it. Apparently, a lot of people thought, uh joe was the devil is, is is that why tony cleared that it'd be just a, a media call a, am i correct he did yeah and, and he he like clarified that in the media call correct yes so uh yeah i i, I don't know it's going to be interesting I, I i wonder who the two mask men were that actually won the tag titles you know from mjf uh the ring of honor world tag team Titles. so uh i'm very curious of who that's going to be for some reason i have a sneaking suspicion it could be the kingdom but who knows i i I don't know anything i don't know any more than you and i haven't even tried to press to to know more but i'm very curious of what the ultimate payoff and the big reveal is going to be this uh this saturday at world's end
1: what do you think about the continental classic wrapping up it's going to be eddie kingston and john moxley Friends, enemies, storied history between them. I, I really enjoyed the Continental Classic. I thought the matches were all great. And more than anything, Matt, I really believe that aw did a great job telling a bunch of different stories within the context of the, the tournament. tournament. And now the championship match is the culmination of a several years long story.
2: Uh, I I I'm gonna put you over here for a second. Uh John Alba called this, this finale. In the okay. beginning, uh, John really did. Uh, John, this is who he thought it would come down to. He thought it would be Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And I, I still think you you almost believe that Eddie Kingston is going to win this whole thing, right? Is that kind of who you feel?
1: I, I think that this is Eddie Kingston's moment, right? Like, he wanted to be in the G1 for so long. He finally got that opportunity. He didn't right. do how he wanted to. And then he put the stakes out from the beginning of this tournament that he's like, if I don't win this whole thing, I will lose the one thing I had to work super hard for, which was that Ring of Honor World Championship. And now they're creating a whole new Triple Crown Championship off of this, which that's a discussion for another day. But I do think that it's a great story to see him climbing to the top after being being down for so many years and then having to do it against someone who's been his best friend of me the entire time.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that it, it, it pushes Eddie forward. I'm a big fan of Eddie Kingston. I like him both. Personally and professionally, so so good on him. And how how did he do in that G one? I I I didn't keep up with it whenever he was doing it. How did he do, John?
1: Uh, I can look up his exact
2: just results if you in that off
1: the top of your head. Yeah,
2: because I can. I I, I, know, I know whenever we were talking about it in the early stages, I know like I said, I could see like Swerve winning or like a Jay White winning. But man, you you nailed it. You were you were spot on.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know, man. For me, it was like you're finding yourself telling a bunch of miniature stories is that he finished with eight points in the c block this past year so Mm. you know middle of the line performance for him uh, in that but for me uh it, it boils down to telling miniature stories that you are then using to develop your characters and propel them forward on your television show right and discovering new layers of them. We did it with Daniel Garcia here in this tournament, who I thought Daniel Garcia, even though he won one match, had a huge coming out party in this tournament because it was all about proving to himself that he could just get that one win. And they told a good story with Matt Menard in him, uh, You know Brian Danielson coming off his injuries and playing into him basically becoming a psychopath, just so fixated after his orbital injury. The interfighting right. with the BCC, Jay White trying to rebuild himself coming off of his shortcomings with Max. This is good quality storytelling, Matt. That, in my opinion, differentiates AEW from the conventional pro wrestling storytelling that you'd see elsewhere. And I think that's good for identity.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I do agree with that. I, th- I think it does make AEW stand out, and I'm not I'm not opposed to that.
1: Just my thought on that, but the world's end pay per view coming up. You think Samoa Joe walks out, AW champ?
2: Um, uh, I I can see it happening, but I can also not see it happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I feel like we've got a MJF swerve meeting for the title, uh, you know, on the horizon in the future. Uh, I, that that's what my gut tells me, but you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it would not surprise me if Samoa Joe did win. Yeah, no, no one's really sure about the legitimacy of MJF's health or where he's at. Whatever you know, so, so it's, it's gonna, be, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be very interesting.
1: Yeah, you got the whole devil story there. It, it is interesting, and I think wrestling is always at its best when it's a pick 'em. Right, you, you have a hard time deciding. Okay, where is this gonna go? Uh, uh, absolutely, when when when
2: when you can't predict. When you see a car that you can like predict and you predict it right, that's you know, I, I feel like you need to change things up. I think your your show needs to be unpredictable. So I do, I do like that. I do like how it's unpredictable.
1: Certainly so. Okay, Matt, we got a lot of ask Matt questions to get to this week. I don't want to waste any more time. Without further ado, please hit us with your Matt Fact.
2: Matt Fact, Matt has never bought an ice cream cake. <laughs> I like that one. Where did that come from? Uh, there was something she posted about an ice cream cake that everyone assumed that I bought it that uh, wasn't supposed to be gotten and it had melted and they everyone thought it was me. So uh, just for the record, I've never bought an ice cream cake. So she buried p- you over an and...
1: ice cream cake that you didn't buy?
2: Uh, I don't think she buried me. I think it was just assumed because someone made a mistake.
1: But she didn't clarify it, though.
2: No, no, she, she hasn't. She doesn't even want to talk about it. <laughs> that wasn't so, me.
1: no Fudgy the Whale or Cookie Puss in your past?
2: Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, it, the, not me. That would be some other senior that <laughs> chooses to get an ice cream cake. <laughs> Wouldn't be me? <laughs> but I'll take the heat for it. Give me the heat. <laughs>
1: that was good. That was real good. Do you like ice cream cake do i yeah
2: no no but like she had was getting it for a birthday and then like it melted because those things have to stay in the fridge it was hit or whatever so that's that's why it was the the wrong cake get the wrong cake
1: that is outstanding i love that all right let's get let's get to all these great questions that so many of our fans gave us and we're going to talk about Uh, The Iron Claw off the bat here, because that was a question that we got from a a few people, Matt. (laughs) I'm sure. And I will ask it from Melanie. She says, have you watched The Iron Claw?
2: I have. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought they did an excellent job telling the story of Von Erickson. I know there was uh, stuff moved around timetable wise, and I know some of the you know there there was a brother that wasn't even included in the movie, and some of the other events were kind of left out, whatever. But like guys, they had two hours and a little change. Um, that's a lot of storytelling. I mean, to include all of those things, I feel like you need much much more time. Uh, so so I was good. I was good with what they did. I thought it 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 it, it packed a very powerful punch, and it really was like uh, it it came off as just a really sad hard tragedy that the whole von eric family was
1: yeah i think the thing with the movie was you're appealing to an audience it is quite literally the casual audience that probably doesn't know the von eric story in great detail if at all and for me i love the movie Mm -hmm. one of the more interesting facets of him at was looking around at the audience around me and seeing how they were reacting to these personal tragedies that they probably had no idea we're coming.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, my my, my my wife knew that there was some death involved, but just like once things just started escalating and you know, the snow snowball, snowball started rolling down the hill and it kept getting bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more tragic, she was just like, whoa, like you know, she thought the movie was done well, but the actual story of the Von Ericks and just the way the dad was putting pressure on the kids and just all the tragedy that surrounded them all, them all dying, you know, with the exception of Kevin. She was just like, that. That. that that's the worst movie I've ever seen, just because of that story and and the, the the tragic nature behind it.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's all real. I thought all the acting was excellent in it. I got to ask you about the Ric Flair portrayal that everyone on the internet's talking about. What do you think?
2: uh it, it's funny because most people were pretty close. You know, they either resembled or they, you know, kind of had it down really good as far as the 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 character they were playing specifically. Like, you know, the Bon Erics I thought they were, uh, they really picked good actors and I thought they turned in good performances. And, you know, even like the more I've watched that back, I watched that a couple of times this morning at the airport, actually, before flying back home. And it's just like, it, it was very much not like Rick. I, I feel like it could have been closer, but... At the end of the day, I feel like someone that is a casual fan that doesn't give a shit about pro wrestling. It, it doesn't make a difference to those people, you know. And and you you get the point behind it. I, I think the people who probably got their panties in a wad more than anybody else are just diehard wrestling fans. Like, come on, I can do a Ric Flair impersonation better than that, or you know, whatever. So it, it's one of those things. It was. It would have been nice if it would have been sounded and looked more like Ric Flair in in some ways, and had the 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 bravado that you know Rick Flair has has the charisma Rick Flair has and 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 says woo the way he says woo because this guy didn't necessarily do that but i mean he, he was a representation of a character and uh was like a, a little fun character
1: yeah i and i think the part of the problem was like you said they did yeah. nail a lot of the other people in the movie but for whatever reason Rick was not it ultimately it really doesn't matter i thought yeah. the aesthetic of the movie was great and the last thing i'll ask you on it I felt like the presentation of the pro wrestling world Mm -hmm. was the most honest that wrestling has ever been presented on film before. The wrestler back in 2009 was excellent as well with that. But I I thought this really captured what pro wrestling at its essence is and explained it in a way that was digestible for a more casual person. What what do you think about that?
2: I I totally agree with that. I mean, I I think if you're – Someone who's never watched pro wrestling one day in your life, I think you watch this movie and you're like, that was that was an an amazingly made movie, and it was a hell of a story, and like I, I and I dig it, you know what I mean? So you didn't have to. It, it wasn't made for like niche wrestling fans. It was made for everyone, and and I I like the fact that they you know changed the timeline, like with Kerry's injury and in his foot. You know some of that was changed, but I, I feel like it was changed to make the most impact, and it's still kind of still kept a truth to the story and about the right. challenges he went through and the pain and everything else. So, so you know, I, I I don't get upset about all that. I know some of the Dowhard wrestling fans, even I put the movie over, you know, like, are you kidding me? They did this and Carrie von Eric was five nine and blah blah blah. And this <laughs> and then this wasn't factual and this didn't happen on the right timeline. They're like, dude, it's it's also movie making business, brother. Well and you it's know?
1: based off a true story. It's not the true story. It's based Sure. On a true story. That's sure. what you have to remember. Ultimately the aesthetic rule, but seeing the Sportatorium.
2: It it, it, it did. The, the Sportatorium exactly. stuff was great. The action that they provided in the ring, the, the clips and the snippets, oh, that was great. The graphics when they put up the world-class stuff just felt, it just took you back to that time, right, of, of the old days. And I, I loved all that. And I did. I, I, give it a, I give it five Cinco, five Cinco, five stars. <laughs> I, dug, I dug the movie.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. We got one from Austin. What is one match you enjoy but doesn't get the credit it deserves? His would be John Cena versus Umaga at the Royal Rumble 2007. We did a tape study of that match on my Patreon, WrestlingAccordingToAlba.com, and that is a fantastic underrated match, no doubt. Do any stand out to you, whether it's one of your own or someone else's
2: match? I mean, and I've, I've said this before. I mean, the first thing that stands out whenever I hear that about being underrated not getting the credit it deserves, I go to that uh, – Last man standing match between me and you know EC three. Whenever I, I we did the double turn and I turned hill and he became a baby face and I won the title. That that's to, to me, the match that I've been involved in, I, I feel like that's the one that, that doesn't get the credit it truly deserves. Maybe it will the time. We'll see. Um as far as other matches that I have seen that I thought were really good. Um and I, I mean, I, I was a big fan of, uh, I, I, I think it, it gets a lot of credit, but once again, because it's cinematic, like the hard wrestling fans aren't necessarily going to, you know, always be down with it because they want to see their stuff in, in the ring live and in front of them. I, I thought the Undertaker's final cinematic match mm-hmm. that he had, you know, with the, with those guys in the good brothers uh the I boneyard was, match yeah the boneyard I, I thought that i thought that was really good i, th- I thought that was a yeah. a great thing and i mean i, I love the fact that he got to, to go out on that note and i thought it was a, a, a great piece of cinema
1: yeah i think the boneyard match is awesome definitely yeah. go out of your way to watch that if you never have speaking of more cinematic stuff gladys asks who does matt hardy want to play him and jeff in the biopic on their lives
2: yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a question. I mean, I I'd almost say San Zach Efron up, you know, because he did such a great job he was as Kevin. Amazing. Yeah, he was amazing, and now that he kind of understands the whole wrestling, but I mean, because I feel like you kind of have to do, you kind of have to do a little, a little homework, and you kind of have to understand the ins and outs of pro wrestling to really be able to nail, you know, like a character down like that who's been involved in that, who's like made a a life, you know, uh, that's been their life for thirty two years as it has been for mine right now, you know, so. Uh, I would say him, and he's at a, a good age where I think he could do it, too.
1: Who's playing Jeff?
2: it would be interesting. Who would we Who would we have play Jeff? Brad Pitt. We'll just get him to Brad reverse Pitt. it and put it away.
1: <laughs> I, honestly, you want to talk about someone who would immerse themselves completely into a role playing this kind of out there Jeff Hardy, you know, uh, a free spirit? Probably Jared Leto.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good call, yeah. Jared, Leto Jared Leto let, very let much
1: encompass yeah. that free spirited Jeff Hardy, the rock star. Right. I know he's a right. controversial actor, but I, I think he would no I'm um, right. you. I agree. So we're we're calling on Zach Efron to start doing some swantons and shit.
2: Uh you know, he can do the twist. you know how to okay. do the swanton. Okay. Send crazy ass Jared up. We'll get him a crash pad.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. Uh there was another question too, because I thought one of the things that popped me most in the movie was seeing the Freebirds. Yeah, know? and I just love seeing like the guy that was clearly supposed to be Michael Hayes. He had the the five o'clock shadow and the long hair. I was like, okay, they did a pretty good job there. Uh, Ari asks, Freebirds versus Hardys in their primes, who goes over, and how would the match be put together?
2: Oh my god, I I I, I would that, that'd be a dream come true, uh, without a doubt. You know. We did get to do one Hardy's or bird match. Uh, and it, it, are you familiar with this that we had that match, on myself and Jeff, after our run with Michael, we wrestled Michael and Terry. Yes, in we talked about that yeah. on
1: our Michael Hayes episode, I believe. We did,
2: right? We did, we mm-hmm. did. Uh, but it, to wrestle those guys in the prom, like my like Terry Gordy was so incredible, especially in his mm-hmm. prom. You know, when he was up and I mean, he was just a, a, a machine, a workhorse, just someone that you didn't, didn't want to fuck with, you know, one way or the other, like, you know, who was like a legitimate badass. Um, Michael was the charisma buddy. was one of the big workhorses. If we were going to have that match, uh, in our prime, uh, we, we'd probably go back and forth. Uh, I could see some stuff, you know, maybe the Hardys get a win over these guys. Then they start screwing us over and they get their win back. And then we end up having some extreme, no DQ street fight. And that's how we blow it off where, uh, team extreme the hardys end up getting the win over the final free board or, uh over the the fabulous Freebirds, to to blow this thing off
1: i think the jeff hardy michael hayes stare down the two rock stars together would be pretty cool
2: oh yeah getting yeah
1: that, yeah in that moment out of that uh, we got a good one from Ed. when wcw cruiserweights were winning for 83 weeks maybe a bit before helms and Moore got to wcw were you or WCW ever interested in the Hardys trying WCW in 97 or early 98? When were those early WWF contracts up? And was there ever a window of possibility to jump over and be part of that division?
2: Uh, we we had, like, uh, sent tapes and we had spoke to people at WCW. But there wasn't a lot of headway there. There was much more headway and opportunity at, at WWF at the time, just because we were doing jobs with them. And we didn't sign, we, we weren't offered contracts till like the end of 1997. And we didn't sign till the early 1998. So uh, we didn't have a contract while we were doing work as extras, just just for the clarification. Just, I, I, it almost sounded like they thought maybe we had a contract or we were contractually obligated to work with WWE, but we weren't, we were just freelance people that at that point. Um, as far as the WCW thing goes, not really. We just didn't have a, 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 as good of an in there or we didn't have as many contacts as we did at WWE because we'd been around. We did, we'd did we'd we done jobs. We'd enhance people. And and like a lot of the WWE roster liked us. But there was some buzz from ECW. And if we hadn't have signed with WWE at that time, we would have probably ended up going to ECW before we went to WWF.
1: Were you weary of going anywhere else while you were still getting the extra work because the way I see it it's like sure you're technically a freelancer you're not under a full-time contract but if we show up somewhere else they might not bring us back again.
2: Yeah, I mean that 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 was that was an issue too. We we didn't we didn't want to rub WWF the wrong way because that you know once again they they had brought us back regularly. Like we started with the Italian Stallion and George South and then once we got away with them, you know, I was the guy that did our booking and it was myself, Jeff Jason Arndt, Joy Abs, and uh, first name Sham, last name Payne, Marty Garner. You know, and we, we would be booked every three or four months or so.
1: Top guy Josh, big fan of the extreme life of Matt Hardy.
2: My man Josh.
1: Says, is there such a thing as a good time or age to retire from pro wrestling? When you're finally in the wheelchair, sarcasm, any thoughts of what to do in retirement? I hope you have many years left. I hope you both had a blessed Christmas and happy new year.
2: Thank you, Josh. I hope you had a nice Christmas and uh, wishing you the best for the new year as well. Um, I, I I don't know. Once again, I, I've said this a lot. I'll just let my, my body tell me. It's like I'm still at that point where I can go out and I can turn in uh, a respectable performance. You know, obviously people that are the diehards online on wrestling Twitter and stuff, they get very frustrated. Like, give it up, Jericho. Give it up, Hardys. You know, whatever. And I was talking about this with you know, Scotty Too hottie Scott Garland. Last night, uh, he actually wrestled in an eight-man tag in in the opening dark match, which was very cool to see. He's we've been friends for a long, long time, right? Over twenty five years. We met him initially in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, when it it snowed and they had to postpone the the WWE taping to the next day when we we're all doing extra work, right? But he just said, like, we're the last of the Attitude Era. You know, it's like myself, Jeff. Adam, Jay, Edge, and Christian, um, Jericho, you know, and even threw himself in there. Like, really, there's only a few guys, like in four or five years from now, there's not gonna be any left that are still doing stuff. Billy Young actually fits in there too, because he was in that match as well last night. And it's just like we have so much equity for being on TV in this, you know, in, in the hottest period in wrestling history. And it's just it's very important, I feel to find a way to use those legends in in a correct way. And I, I think there's a lot of benefit and a lot of equity, especially if you have people that are willing to work with everybody else and help elevate other young talent around them. Uh, so as far as when I will retire, I'll let my body dictate it. Uh, I love doing this and it's just like, I'm still kind of living out my dream. So I wanna do that as long as I can.
1: Especially when you're a living legend like the Hardys.
2: You're damn right, a living legend. I mean like, Three quarters. Uh, I I might even even up that number to eighty five percent. Eighty five percent of that locker room, we were their childhood, and and we probably motivated them to, you know, chase the pro wrestling dream. You know, so like we're responsible for AW. We kind of created that style in Omega in the beginning. You know? What a
1: service you did to the wrestling community.
2: Well, it's just another great benevolent kindness I, I gave the wrestling world. I've given them many over the last thirty two years.
1: You certainly have. Got a, got a couple good ones from Joaquin here. Says, besides defeating The Undertaker clean without any help from Brock Lesnar, what would be your favorite moment as a single star all throughout your wonderful career?
0: Hmm. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life LifeSurge Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance, growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs. Soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. That's Life Surge Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com.
2: I, a big moment, and this was a big moment for both myself and Jeff, was uh, being in one of the marquee matches for WrestleMania 25, whenever we got to have the Extreme Rules match, um, myself versus Jeff. And I would say even getting the the win on Jeff in that match, uh, that, that was one of the biggest moments of my career. As, as a singles competitor, I'm undefeated at WrestleMania, just for the record. I just thought you should know, John.
1: I, I even get the Battle Royal win, too.
2: <laughs> I just thought you should know.
1: Yeah, well, that's when you're a living legend. So obviously, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he also has. Do you think that Woken Matt Hardy would have been different? Would it have worked if it was under the Triple H WWE?
2: That's a that's a hell of an intriguing question. Um, I, I think it would have definitely been different, and I think there would have been a much better chance of it working. I would have loved to have seen Woken Matt and Bray connect and get together as the leaders of the world and have uh, have Triple H's creative behind it. That, that that would have been a lot of fun. I, I mean, I think he, he got stuff. There was one particular scene that we did where uh, we had a thing where there was this tag match with the two top contenders and they were like, they did a double down in the ring and they were both like crawling for the tag and like the lights went out <clears throat> and then these guys were off the apron. And then Bray and I were in the uh, the corners where the tag teams are, and I think we're going to a three way or something like that. And I'm like, oh shit, you know, like it was it was a very cool visual though. But that was Triple H's idea, and he said, "Yeah, I've been thinking about doing this for a while. I think your guys' characters are perfect for it." And that was one thing that I I I really dug. I, I liked this mindset. I, I think he got what we were trying to accomplish.
1: No planetariums.
2: No, he never talked about a planetarium. Sadly. <laughs>
1: Go check out our original Bray Wyatt episode and Logan yeah. Matt Hardy for, for an all-time great Vince McMahon story in the archives, extremehardy.com. Well, speaking of Bray, Jeff wants to know. Give us a Bray Wyatt story that we've never heard before. I'm sure we're all still hurting from the loss. It's still great to hear stories about him.
2: Man, I'll I'll never forget. We uh whenever he was first dating Jojo, we actually went out after a show in savannah georgia and grabbed a bite to eat and i kind of got smartened up to the whole thing um so that, that was cool that he kind of put that faith in me that they were hanging out and doing the thing whatever and just just had a real good time real good dinner and i i don't think i've ever told that story at all it's like right uh you know right when they were getting a little more serious with one another
1: so just that he put his trust in you that fortified your bond kind of thing
2: I think so. Yeah. And I just remember we had a great night. We had, we had, a had, it was just one of those real nice times where you go out and eat and you have great conversation and you just, just a, just, just a nice evening.
1: Love to hear that uh, man. I was doing our year review on strictly business and I was just thinking about Bray and how crazy it is that he's gone, but yeah, uh, the, the amazing thing about it is the outpouring of support, universal support from the pro wrestling industry for Bray. And I thought you did a wonderful tribute to him that, again, is available in our archives, should you yes. guys like to check that out,
2: ExtremeHardy.com. It is. This is one to go out of your way to to catch, I think. I mean, it was very much from the heart and someone who I love talking about because of someone that I loved. Uh, you know, and, and we <laughs> shared so many similarities creatively, you know, so definitely check that out. That's a that's an Extreme Life of Man Hardy episode you don't want to miss.
1: Good one from Gabriel. As a tag team veteran, who do you think is the future of tag team wrestling? Now, now there's a very famous story here about my boy, Bruce Springsteen, and he went back in the mid 70s. Mm-hmm. He was proclaimed to be in a publication, the next Bob Dylan. He was the future of rock and roll. And it was something that stuck with him for many years to come. So I'm asking you to pick one tag team here, Matt Hardy. Who is the future of tag team wrestling?
2: That's a really interesting question, especially when you talk about young, young, young guys. Um, I mean, the, the the, the people I think currently right now are on the the best run of their career uh and are doing great stuff is ftR but I mean they're they're not necessarily the future they're they're the present you know I, th- I think they're gonna be uh, a top tag team for a little while to come obviously um but as far as young tag teams go man I'm even trying to think of uh I'm out of the loop, man. (laughs)
1: You got got, let's 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 break it down here. You got in AEW alone, you got top flight. Yeah, you got private party, who obviously you're very high on. We know Mm -hmm. that. You got Aussie Open, when they're all fully healthy, and we know Kyle Mm -hmm. Fletcher's having a lot of single success right now himself. Right. Uh, On the WWE end, you got the Creed brothers, who are coming up from NXT and just made their debut on the main roster.
2: How how are those guys?
1: I. They were going to be my answer. Honestly, I think they are unbelievable. And they're still very, I I don't like using this term, but they're still in the traditional sense of it, green, in the sense that they haven't been doing it that long. But, you know, once they put those little things together, I think they're amazing. Julius Creed, in particular, has like a Kurt Angle level ceiling as far as what he's capable of doing athletically.
2: So I, what, I've heard these guys are like outstanding athletes, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So once you start putting all those things together, you know, th- th- everything starts to click, right? Right. I, it's just for me, it's like tag team wrestling. And I I actually I want to piggyback. I want to find this question here um, because this this can relate to that. Emperor Skyboy asked what is one thing you want to see new and up and coming tag teams do differently to make the future of tag team wrestling better? Because I think those two questions can go hand in hand.
2: Yeah, they they, they do. Uh, I I want to see them focus more on just like keeping the match in the context of a tag team match, like from a psychology standpoint, especially like, you know, there's that old theory of like, this will never change, like cutting the ring in half, especially when someone's isolated. Like try and keep him on the side, try and stop him from making the tag, because I feel like in the last few years we've kind of gotten away from a lot of that. Like the Brainbusters aren't entirely; they, they were amazing, huge amazing. fans of, uh, 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 of their of their work and of their style. Midnight Express, another team that was that was great. You know, Rock and Roll Express—they were on the other side of the coin because they were the team that were always the babyface and they were trying to struggle to get that tag. But I would like to see us kind of get back to a tag team psychology where we really make it a point to emphasize that this is a tag team match. And once we get one guy isolated, we need to keep him in our corner. We need to keep him in trouble and we need to keep him away uh, as opposed to making into uh, a bigger athletic contest, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and and of all those tag teams you mentioned, uh, I am not up on the Creed brothers, but I, I like your description, what you're saying about them. Um, Aussie Open, I think they have the potential to be a, uh, be the future of tag team wrestling for a long time because I feel like they, they do. They're, they're very solid, like from a foundation of like psychology wise, as far as working. And then on top of that, they can do all the, the modern day, new age stuff too. And
1: both, both the guys in the acclaimed are still super young too. Right. To say where they can take things is plus, you know, you go across the Indies, there's just so many above the rest is a team that, comes to mind for me violence is forever there's a lot of really good indie tag teams out there that i really enjoy so go check uh go check out the scene man watch watch as much tag team wrestling you can because i stand by it like good tag team wrestling will get over with any crowd any Agreed. crowd yeah it, it, there's just something so easily digestible mm-hmm. about that struggle of someone reaching for the ropes trying to get their partner in right it's just yeah. so easy to connect
2: it is. It's 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 very it's much easier to tell a story in a tag team match than a singles match. And that's one thing I've always enjoyed about tag team wrestling as well, too.
1: You got twenty thousand people at a pay per view in attendance going nuts for a match they've seen a million times layout wise, just because it right. translates so easily. And if you hypothetically speaking want to be part of twenty thousand people at a pay per view, you go to game time and you download the game time app and you enter that promo code Hardy and we're gonna get you there, aren't we, Matt Hardy?
2: We sure are. You just you just type in H A R D Y, that promo code, and we're gonna save you some money. On top of game time saving you money.
1: It's the absolute most tangible product that we could chill out to you guys here because I really do believe that we all love a good shared human experience. It's one of the best things ever. When you go to an event, you go to a sporting event, you go to a concert, you go to a theater show, you go to a wrestling event, and you have that experience with everyone around you that allows you to lose yourself and immerse yourself in it. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to gain that experience. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets we are now on the home stretch of the holiday season Matt it's still the time to be given and I see no reason why you can't give a belated Christmas gift or holiday gift to someone who who maybe maybe underperformed a little bit at the holidays right Matt maybe there's a way to make it up to someone how can game time help you do that
2: uh, they can hook you up, whatever you want to go to, whether it is pro wrestling, whether it is a sporting event, whether it is a concert, whether it is Paw Patrol Live. You know, I might buy tickets to any of those things, <laughs> but they can uh, they can get you the best deal. They'll tell you where the ticket is. Uh, there there won't it, they'll clearly show you the view you're going to be watching from. And then on top of all that, there are no hidden fees. It's one and done, guys.
1: The all-in pricing really gets the job done for you. I know you know a thing or two about digging yourself out of the doghouse. And getting someone tickets to a show or an event that they want to go to, that's going to help you, won't it?
2: Uh, Absolutely. This is the way to go. And it's never the wrong time to give someone the gift of tickets, especially through game time.
1: With zone deals, you pick the section, game time picks the seats for big time savings. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code HARDY, H A R D Y, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed and i want to thank game time for their year-long sponsorship with us here at the extreme life of matt hardy we're very very appreciative are we not
2: we are very grateful thank you game time we love working with game time and we love promoting game time it's a it's 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 a it's a great great company and they offer great deals and everyone please take advantage of game time it's a win-win
1: michael wants to know what is your best and worst travel story
2: (laughs) uh I would say my best travel story was when I was going to Santiago to work for Hugo uh, in a match. And we were actually, we came down five days early and then we spent four days over in Easter Island. And that was, it's the most magical place I've ever been to. It, it's a place I want to go to and take all my kids now that, you know, they're a little bigger and stuff. I still want to travel there again when the time is right. But it was just myself and, and, uh, and my wife and Maxwell whenever we went initially. But that, that is the best. Travel slash vacation slash destination I've ever been to. So I, I would I would consider that my my best travel experience. Even though the the trip was long to get there, uh, it was still good and uh, it was uh, a hugely memorable and it's an indelible moment. Uh, I in feel Vermont, like your worst memorable.
1: travel story changes week to week.
2: Uh, sometimes I I feel like that it's going to be hard to top this story. That was just whenever the volcanic ash happened over in the UK. You know and we'd canceled our last show that we were supposed to go to and then we drove which ended up being 24 hours because they there there wasn't uh a bus we could get or whatever it was almost like uh, a, a, a small van a, a smaller little bigger size van um and then like a shuttle a hotel shuttle and like these things were going so slow as so we're going up and down the mountains we drove uh for, it was we almost missed the flight because we drove to the uh, furthermost point of spain if i'm not mistaken uh just so we could catch our flight and and get out or they'd you know they hooked us up with and then we got on a plane from there and flew back across the atlantic and we came back to new jersey landed uh all got our bags and went to rest straight to the building to do raw so the smackdown crew was filling in for raw because raw was stuck over there so we we got out of europe at the last possible moment that we that we could and we made it back just in time. It was uh, thirty six hours of hell.
1: That's exhausting, too. That's going to sit with you for a week or two.
2: Have oh, I mean it was. Yeah, it I mean it was a business as usual. You know, we did that, and then we did our show the next day, and then back on the road the following weekend. You know, Nuts. no rest for the weary when you're when you're in the mix like that.
1: Derek asks, "What are your favorite bands and songs right now?"
2: Um, not not a lot of stuff changes as far as bands. I, I I don't keep up with new music like a lot of people do. I think I'm I just uh, I'm kind of past that now, <laughs> I'm kind of aged out. I mean, there'll be times where I, I hear like a song here and there, this new and sketchy, and and I dig it. Um, I mean, currently right now, my, my my favorite bands are still Kings of Leon, Pearl Jam, Tool. That's you know most of the stuff you're gonna see. I'll I'll, I'll hear like a song that I'll specifically. See, like, on YouTube, I'll watch tribute videos for, like, different series, television series I've liked or whatever, and sometimes I'll pick up a song and, like, oh, shit, i got to download that, whatever it may be. Um, But, yeah, I I have a list. I don't listen to stuff currently and new. If I stumble upon something and I end up liking it, that's when I download it. But I I don't actively try and seek out new stuff. So pretty pretty much same old, same old.
1: i got to get you because there there are a lot of great bands out there that are newer and emulate right. a lot of the sounds that you love i gotta get you hooked on a couple of them gaslight anthem mm-hmm. specifically yeah yeah and
2: i've got to check those out i know you've been a big advocate yeah, of them gaslight
1: yep mm-hmm. gaslight um i i'm surprised you're not as into foo fighters as i thought you'd be i know you like them but like i i think i think that's a band you probably would really really get into with yeah i
2: mean i i, I do I, I i have a lot of love for foo fighters but you're right i yeah. i don't you know i i don't put them at the top of my Freaking list that like i don't yeah, yeah. it's
1: cool, man. I was I was a guest on E Street Radio, <laughs> Springsteen Sirius XM channel. Very cool man. for you, yeah. It was awesome. And it was at the Transparent Clinch Gallery in Asbury Park. And Danny Clinch is this famous rock photographer who's worked with all these amazing names. And his whole gallery is just filled with these incredible pictures. And there were a ton of Pearl Jam pictures. I sent you one of them. Uh, yeah. was just, he was talking about some Pearl Jam stories, which I thought was really cool. And, man, that's still just for me music is the most amazing outlet especially when you're traveling you you need something like that to lean on so uh Um, let's see here matt we got more sean asking have you thought about looking into an acting
2: career uh not necessarily uh you know i'm still doing wrestling while i can do it but i mean i I think that would be it'd be a cool change of pace especially uh how you have to get a lot more subtle and kind of tune it down a notch because wrestling we played a everybody in the venue and, and there's a lot of overacting and pro wrestling, obviously, but no, I, I, I dig that. And I think it is very fun. Oh, here we go. Skipping this one call real quick. <laughs> I'll, I'll call you back brother, brother. Uh, oh, look back. at that. Yeah. that. on about. Yeah. There you go. Um, um <clears throat> but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat>
1: Acting.
2: Just, yeah, acting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's my mindset. I totally forgot about the Devon thing in my mind. I totally deleted everything else. Uh, yes, acting. Uh, no, I, I haven't thought about it a lot. But do I think it would be something to be fun to experiment with later on? Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Good one from Daniel here. Super Nintendo or Sega? Uh, Super Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any game in particular stand out to you?
2: I mean, I was just bit when the 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 first Nintendo came out, like with the Mario Brothers craze, and you know where you open the little deal, slot it in. What was that uh, Super N- Nintendo NES? NES, right? I, I mean, that that was like my peak of uh, of video games. Because so we had we had an Atari twenty six hundred. I mean, we had that. We got that for Christmas one year, and we were all big onto that. And then like eventually one of my friends had got this Nintendo NES and we were able to to get one for a birthday or Christmas or whatever it was and that was just like the ultimate I remember we would save well, up money to buy those games and put the cartridge in and play that and that's pretty much after that uh, I kind of fell off from video games I didn't yeah. really I, I didn't really play video games any much yeah uh, Sega had
1: Sega had some good stuff. Yeah, obviously Sonic's a classic, but there were a lot of great games that came out in the mid-90s, early-90s period, right before the PlayStation boom and into... Mm -hmm. I mean, Nintendo 64 was such a game-changer, and God, man, I played the shit out of WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, specifically playing with the Hardy Boys, too. Uh, (laughs) And actually, my friend got me as a gift. Let's see if I can snag this here real quick without knocking my whole setup over. But I've got... (sighs) They found the WCW versus NWO World Tour playthrough book. Look at that! It has like all the like character information, and it's actually in really really good shape. And uh, I showed Eric Bischoff how he looked in this, and he wasn't too wasn't too thrilled. He wasn't thrilled with, with his 1998 video game self. But uh, yeah, man, it was such a great period growing up here. Yes, he let's see. Where's Eric? For those watching on the Extreme Life of Matt yeah. Hardy YouTube channel, I don't know if you can
2: see. Oh, there you go. I uh, uh, he, he, he didn't like himself. He looks too woke. <laughs> That's why I didn't like it, man. He looks too woke. Oh, <laughs> uh, for the small
1: ten percent crossover audience of strictly business and the Extreme Life pop of Matt Hardy, for that, they're yeah. going to appreciate that one. Yeah, that was, good. <laughs> that, was that was really good. Uh, we got a few more to get to here. So let's keep going. Um let's see. Anthony, if things hadn't soured with Impact, where do you think you would have taken the Broken Universe after the Expedition of Gold Great Wars, etc.? Were there further plans for the characters already in mind that you're willing to share? Your creativity and stories y'all were telling really reignited my passion for pro wrestling.
2: I mean, I I feel like we we've said this a few times. If we would have continued, we were going to do an interpromotional angle between uh, House Hardy and the Bucks of Youth. That's kind of where the plan was. We'd had uh, TNA and Ring of Honor in agreement to work at Interpromotional Angle. That was what was on the table. You know, obviously things changed. I personally wanted to continue to like dip in and out of Broken Matt and like continue to evolve them, much like how Broken Matt went on for a while. Then there was like Matt with Amnesia, where I didn't know who I was. And then Broken Matt comes back. And then I went into the, uh, uh, Got what I even call uh whenever I was the whenever I went back to my first vessel, the uh the the Egyptian uh it, that that version. I want to keep cycling in and out different versions of Broken Matt where just like you would have enough time away from the broken mat character that you would like want him back, you would miss him enough, you know, give six or eight weeks of doing something else. for like, oh man, I want to see crazy ass broken Matt back again. So so that is what I wanted to continue to do. There was talk and we i'd mentioned this before on the podcast as well about me even doing something having another world title run as a broken mat but then i just said like I, he doesn't really need the title that just doesn't really work and uh, there are guys i feel like i could elevate and one of the guys was la night eli drake at that time that we talked about I, I thought he would have been a great guy to kind of be the champion at that time and it would have helped him out greatly
1: him playing the straight man against a broken mat would have been really entertaining
2: yeah yeah
1: that would have been good stuff. I was going to ask you that, like the longevity of the character. Did you see an end game? It almost sounds like you viewed it as kind of like the Hulk where the Hulk comes in and out of, you know, Bruce Banner becomes yeah. in and out of being the Hulk and it sounds somewhat similar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like I, the King in gold. Uh, the, the, that's what I actually called the, my, my first vessel whenever I was doing that and I had the Egyptian War I just want to keep like reverting to like different parts of broken men's past and like, just, Make the character fresh again, but then like crowds would reminisce just the original broken, sure. like, oh my god, we want him back or whatever. And it just felt like it would keep everything fresh.
1: Wayne, I have a local question. I live in Ashboro. What is your favorite go-to date restaurant when you're home? Looking for an idea for a surprise date with my wife.
2: Mm, there you go. Uh I mean, if I'm here and I'm going to Southern Ponds, uh Southern Prom. Steakhouse, uh, which is a a top of the line steakhouse. So good. You would love it. You'd love that, John. And also Beef Eaters, which I'm a huge fan of Beef Beef Eaters. It's a local place in Southern Pines with local owners, but it's been one of the top restaurants for got 30 years. So those are the two that I would would recommend, Southern Prime and Beef Eaters in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Good
1: stuff. Matt. After seeing videos of wrestlers attempting diving attacks but over-under jumping and completely missing their opponents, I wondered how difficult is it to judge the distance between yourself and your opponent when you're standing on the top rope or on top of a ladder or a cage in order to deliver a perfect landing move?
2: I mean, I feel like the younger you are, probably the easier it is <laughs> because you're, you've are probably been less beat up and your brain's probably been less scrambled. Uh, but it's still not, not terribly difficult difficult I don't feel like I mean if you're a a pretty decent athlete I feel like it's 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 not too not too challenging not too hard uh and just hopefully the guy is kind of staying in the same spot that's very important as well you know because one of those things like if you dive at someone and they're like starting to walk in as soon as you jump that's where you know accidents happen and whatnot it's, uh, it was always a little trickier with the, a, a moonsault, you know, especially when you're going backwards and you're trying to guess how far to get to make sure your knees clear the guy. and You don't just like knee the guy in the ribs and like break his ribs. Um, th- those were always challenging. But I, I, I always, especially being younger, whenever uh, I was more flexible and a little more mobile, uh, I, I enjoyed doing all of those things.
1: Was there ever a time you overcompensated or undercompensated?
2: There was one time where I was jumping off the top and I want to say Perry Saturn had started drifting like to the left and the jump. And I was like trying to like, and I end up hitting him like with my arm. And it was just like the that same scenario I was just talking about. He was kind of like, I'd climbed up to the top and he was in one place. I think it was during the hardcore title era when all that stuff was going around. And uh, I come jumping off the top and he just kind of like has drifted to the left a little bit. So it's just like I hit him with the arm type deal as opposed to like being a regular body block.
1: Good one from Marie here. As someone who's been working in the wrestling business for more than thirty years now, what would be your favorite era? Not as a spectator, but as someone who's really living it.
2: My my favorite era. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personally, my the most fun I've ever had, and I, I say this all the time, and I will ad nauseum, uh, was the Broken Matt Hardy time at TNA. That was the most fun, uh, and, and it was it was just really really a great time overall. And it was just like I had my wife with me the majority of the time. I had my first son with me, and we got to share these experiences, which meant a lot. Um, the attitude era, whenever we first started on the road, I mean, that was probably the most amazing era and atmosphere I've been into because every night was sold out. I mean, we would do 10 nights on the road, and every single night was sold out. You know, it'd be a Wednesday night, a Tuesday night, a Monday night, whatever, and there's 20,000 people in the venue. Every night was sold out, literally, <laughs> you know, a, a, you know for a couple years, whenever we started, until like, the business slowed down a little bit. So that, that was a pretty amazing era, because you knew you were going to be going out as a young kid, newly signed, in front of 20,000 people, 14,000 people, 11,000 people, 17,000 people, however big the venue was, but you knew it was a guaranteed sellout every single night.
1: From Brad, big fan of The Extreme Life, of course. Shout out to Brad. Do you have a favorite sitcom? Hmm.
2: I, I I've had this with you. Like I, I've got to get more into sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've never been like a huge sitcom guy, I like to sit back and watch kind of comedies or lighthearted stuff or whatnot. Um I would probably even say of stuff I've watched, maybe uh I, I watched some cheers back in the day. Um, maybe like a Cheers or, or a Frasier, but I've never been like a loyal, okay. dedicated sitcom. I'm gonna help you out. Or follower.
1: Okay, you're gonna get into Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's on yep. Max. Okay, there's a character on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and anyone uh-huh. who's listened to this and watches Curb knows her name is Susie Susie Esman. She is your wife. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. And you wait, and you'll watch it. And you'll say, oh, my God, I'm staring at Rebecca That's if she kind was of a white motivate, Jewish woman.
2: That, that kind of motivates me to watch it.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time. It's, it's to me, the smartest comedy ever written. It's an yeah. unbelievable yeah. show. I mean, they're they're going into their final season now in February. Right. But it's been on the air since 2000. So wow. put that into perspective, just how... Long, the The quality of the longevity that it has go out of your way. Watch it yeah. and report back to me when you uh, <laughs> discover Susie for the first
2: time. Is Susie? Is she? Is she right from the jump? Is she in? You know, so she, yeah, is she episode one. She's one, in the show one?
1: from close to the beginning. The, it curb is one of those shows where it kind of takes like two seasons to get into like the real weeds of the characters finding themselves and everything. But when you realize who she is, it's like watching rebecca hardy it's pretty amazing <laughs> cool. and i mean that complimentary because Susie is probably in my top two characters in the show so okay uh,
2: go color go me intrigued
1: that and uh jb smooths leon is just on a whole nother level it's oh yeah amazing stuff absolutely fantastic probably a lot of curb fan i know i'm pretty sure tony khan's a bit curb your enthusiasm fan he's tweeted about curb before he's so. used he's
2: used the gifs gifs
1: yeah he uh, he's big on the demo for curb you know yeah <laughs> yeah uh, let's see we got too sweet would you put cookout burgers up there with the in and out and what a burger
2: burgers i would put cookout burgers up there i i think cookout burgers are very good they're uh, flame broil uh flame flame grilled and i feel like um a little biased because I'm here and I and I have the ability to get them quite often. Uh, I, I do love In-N-Out burgers. I almost feel like it's a ritual. I need to have like an In-N-Out burger whenever I go to California, especially if I'm making that long trip. I do like their secret sauce. Uh, same thing with Whataburger. I love to get their their, their bowl, you know, the Whataburger bowl. And I, I love all those burgers, but yes, I would put Cookout there. If you are in the South, you need to, to check out Cookout. Try Cookout Burger.
1: Last one here, and I want to finish it from Brad yet another one as a father of multiple children how do you set individual time for each aside
2: you just you just do you just make it work and sometimes the time is uh you know shared sometimes sometimes you're giving individual time to two kids at once or whatever like right now i'm getting ready to take uh getting ready to take Wolfie and Barty to Jiu Jitsu. So uh, I'll be spending time with both of them. And it's kind of like singles individual time with them, but they share that same bond that they do j- Jiu Jitsu and they enjoy it and whatnot. But as far as individually, I think there's different times where if you know you're doing something that one specific kid would like, you try and get him to to tag along or be involved with you and do it. You Whatever their interest is, stuff that they're into. If you're doing something that is close to that or uh, something they they're, they're Interested or intrigued in, uh, I think have them tag along and and be part of it.
1: Great advice, fatherly advice. I know you got to get going over to jujitsu right now, but. I want to just say a couple things off the gate. Number one, as as we remind everyone every single week, we'd love for you to be part of this show in 2024. Yep. Advertise with Hardy.com is the place to go promote your business to the extreme. Get your product out in front of thousands of listeners every single week. You're going to hear a few new ad partners from us in the coming weeks here on The Extreme Life. We're grateful for them. We would love to have you on our team. Matt, we are headed into 2024. Any New Year's resolution or happy words you'd like to share with everyone as we sign off?
2: Uh, you know, a, a new year always feels like a fresh start It's a chance to begin again. And I think that's what life is. Every single day is one of those is a chance to begin again, to start again. Uh, I, I almost, I, I don't want to get too hung up on new years and just saying you have to do it then because you can do it whenever, but it is good. I like how it's like a clean reset, you know, it's a clean slate, so to say. So, uh, we have 2024 and, uh, I, I'm excited about that. And I, I look forward to, to new years and I look forward to trying to, to just uh, getting your shit together and being
1: better. It also means we'll be moving on to year three of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, which is crazy. And you guys were in Orlando this past week, which is where you and I got together for the first time and kind of laid this out. So just so cool, man. So cool. And I hope everyone has a a great and happy and healthy new year. Yes. And we are wishing you nothing but the best from us here at The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We hope to be part of your routine next year as Mm -hmm. well. So the words have been spoken. This has been the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We will see you next time.
2: Happy New Year, everyone. Let's kick in 2024. Let's bring it in with a bang. And with that, it!